This week's episode of Proper English is brought to you by Apologising. And the idiom, a sorry state of affairs. Sorry Dave, could you just move up a little? Oh, I'm sorry Ali, is that better? Thanks. I am sorry to hear you didn't win first prize for your cake, Sylvia. Oh, you must excuse me, Mabel. I'm in the middle of something important. I haven't got time for a chat now. Hmm. Will you apologise to D.I. Davidson for my rudeness this morning, Robert? Oh, I explained to her that you were compunctious for your sharp tone of voice on the phone this morning, Roxy. There is a belief that the British apologise a lot, and it's not just a stereotype. It certainly seems that only the Japanese and Canadians come anywhere close to the Brits in the use of the word sorry. I think what really amuses other cultures about us is the things we'll apologise for. My student Baruta from Lithuania was astonished when she visited the UK that when she bumped into someone on the street, they (laughs) apologised. That wouldn't come as a surprise to us at all. We would totally do that. How about in your country? What things do you apologise for? How many times a day do you think you say sorry, Ali? I rarely say sorry, Ali, Dave. Boom, boom! <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. And in all honesty, I can't really imagine. Three times? Thirty? Well, according to an article I found online... The average Briton says sorry eight times a day. Wow. And one in eight people say sorry 20 times a day. No way. Apparently so. Wow. Okay. And when somebody apologises to us, we'd usually expect to say something like, that's all right, that's okay. Of course, it does really depend on the seriousness of the offence and the sincerity of the apology. Oh, and sometimes we use sorry in a way that isn't necessarily to make amends for something. No, we say it as a way of saying excuse me. Sorry, can you tell me the way to the railway station? Sorry, is anyone sitting here? Time for a quotation, I think. Go for it. The readiness of the English to apologise for something they haven't done is remarkable and it is matched by an unwillingness to apologise for what they have done. (laughs) I love it. Sounds like Samuel Johnson or perhaps Francis Bacon. It's much more recent. It's from 2013. Henry Hitchens, perfectly titled, Sorry, The English and Their Manners. Awesome. And he's right, isn't he? I have no problem apologising to a stranger for knocking into their trolley in the supermarket. But if I've said something mean to you, it'll take me ages to say sorry. But you do Mm apologise. Unlike politicians, they are notorious for refusing to say sorry. In fact, they use the dreadful sorry if... Mm, A classic. This is used so that you appear to be apologising but are in fact refusing to take any responsibility. I'm sorry if you feel that I was rude. Oh, awful. How about mistakes were made? Oh, dreadful. The use of the passive voice to distance yourself from the issue. And we teach children the importance of saying sorry. 
Do they find it easy to say, Ali, from a primary school teacher's point of view? <laughs> ah, a common apology from one child to another is very often, oh, sorry, <laughs> no sincerity at all. My friend Catherine, who was my last boss when I was still teaching in the UK, talked about the three-part sorry. Ooh, sounds interesting. It is. Feel it, say it, show it. Ah, okay. So feel it, I suppose, is about being sincere, not just an empty sorry. <laughs> exactly. You need to feel that regret, which means you have empathy. Then say it. Pretty straightforward, I guess. Don't mess it up with non-apologies like the ones that we just talked about. Yes, speak from the heart. Look the other person in the eye. All those kinds of things. And then show it. Make amends, I suppose. Uh-huh. If you're genuinely sorry for something you've said or done, then to show that, you need to change your behaviour in future. With children, Catherine would ask them to think of something nice they could do for the other child and a reassurance that they won't do it again. Oh, I like that. And all this, usually, transfers well to us adults, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, what about a combination of the weather and sorry. Well, nothing could be more British, I don't think. <laughs> you mean when we say sorry about the weather? Yeah. Oh dear. It makes us sound proper insane, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Do we think we're weather gods or something? It really does appear to be a pointless thing to say on the face of it. But let's look at the context in which it would be used. You'd most likely say it to a guest, especially a guest who'd travelled some distance to see you. Oh, how lovely to see you, Auntie Grace. Sorry about the weather. Or on a special occasion. To the bride and groom at their wedding, maybe. Congratulations, Nick and Sarah. Sorry about the weather. What we're doing, in fact, is showing empathy. We're putting ourselves in the other person's shoes and demonstrating that we understand how the weather might be making them feel. Well, that's good, I suppose, isn't it? We're not deluded about our meteorological magic powers. We're being nice. So, going back to the one in eight people who apologise 20 times a day... Unbelievable. Are they constantly perpetrating offences? <laughs> are they very empathic? What's going on? Some people are serial apologisers. I used to do it a lot. Mm -hmm. I did. Now, it can be quite wearing constantly being apologised to. In fact, it actually, it's quite wearing apologising all the time, to be fair. It is. <laughs> but... We can even begin to get quite irritated with the person who's constantly apologising for trivial events. And of course, that makes them anxious mm. and they're more likely to say sorry even more. Sorry. So we tell them to stop saying sorry, but it doesn't work. No, if we do that, we run the risk of making them feel as if they're being blamed for the way they speak. A kinder thing to say is, you have nothing to apologise for. Oh, I like that. It's reassuring. Mm. Sometimes we feel that our apology may make the other person feel uncomfortable. Or maybe we feel that we apologise too much for things that aren't that serious. Ah, well, in this instance, it can be useful to use two more important English words. Thank you. Ah, yeah. So, instead of saying, sorry I'm late, you could say, oh, thanks for waiting. 
Yep. Or if we've done all the talking with a friend, instead of saying, oh, sorry for talking so much, what else could we say, Dave? How about, oh, thank you for listening to me. Very nice. Now you've made it about the other person instead of about you. And now it's time for Idiom of the Week. Idiom of the Week? And then the judge pulled a very odd face. She pretended to swallow the mouthful, but I saw her sneak it into her anky when she pretended to sneeze. Well, I don't understand, Sylvia. Your coffee and walnut cake is a dream covered in icing. I hope she apologised for her behaviour. Oh, you're way off, Mabel. Eh? Then the other judge went pale and took a big drink of water and demanded an apology from me. Why? Don't they know coffee and walnut is a classic combination of bitter and sweet and that done right, it is a taste sent from the very heavens? Aye, well, that's just it. They do know what coffee and walnut cake should taste like. Ah. You know me, Mabel. I do. I were furious. Mm. I demanded to know why they were disrespecting my baking. I got a second in the church annual fete and a merit in the county large buns and iced cakes competition. You don't have to remind me. I'm your number one fan, love. I've put away more of your cake these last few years than I care to remember. Thank you. You're a good friend. A little overweight, if you don't mind me saying, but a good friend. Hmm. Well, this sounds like a right sorry state of affairs. I told you! They wouldn't say sorry. They wanted me to apologise. No, love. It's an idiom. Oh. Sorry don't mean contrite. It means a mess. Disappointing. A sorry state of affairs means an unfortunate, unpleasant or upsetting situation. And you know what, Mabel? I am upset. I know. I'm not sure I'll ever be able to show my face at another Cakes and Produce show ever again. But why, Sylvia? Why? Well, I got a bit distracted when I was measuring out my ingredients. Mm. The doorbell rang while I had the tablespoon in my hand. Of course it did. It were me, going to see if you needed any help. Mm. And when I got back into the kitchen, I put a whole tablespoon of bicarbonate of soda into the mix instead of half a teaspoon. A old tablespoon. Oh, no wonder they didn't like it. Oh, I bet it tasted terrible. And it's all my fault for interrupting your creative flow. Oh, Sylvia, I am sorry. And here we are at the end of another episode of Proper English. As always, we hope you've had fun listening in on our conversation. And whether you're a new listener or a regular subscriber, why not get in touch with us? You can email us at properenglish or one word at sapo.pt or you can ask us questions on whichever social media you use. And don't forget to tell everyone you know about us. Everybody. Friends, family, Anyone who's studying or learning English. And make sure you rate and review us. Because that helps other people to find us. And subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app. So until next time, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me too. And thank you for listening to Proper English. English.